Welcome back. We are back with another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John Debari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker. And as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. Be sure to check out Expand the Box Score. Use the promo code 40. Get four days free of advanced stats before you uh, commit to a longer-term subscription. So, uh, last couple weeks, we've been doing our divisional previews. We are now on to the AFC East. Walk, how you doing? And where you want to get started? I'm doing great, Johnny. It's been two weeks since we spoke. and True story. It, uh, yes, it feels like it and doesn't feel like it because I miss ha- not having these conversations, but the last week plus flew by for me. I was down in the face of the sun, Florida, for the better part of last week, and the week was just totally it was just gone. Like It never happened. I actually was speaking to someone at work today. I was like, was I just there last week? Like, uh, yeah, you were here till Thursday. I was like, like, as in like three days ago, Thursday, four days ago. Like, yeah, I was like, uh, I don't want to go back there anytime soon. Fast forward, I'll be there three weeks again. Which, which part of Florida? I didn't even know where you went, I just knew you were going right in the right in that nice little Orlando, central Florida, (laughs) hot as hell. It's not like my feet are touching the ocean anytime soon. Section of uh, the state, yeah. I'll be down there for a conference next, which is even cooler because then I get to stand around inside <laughs> rather than being in my office. So, yeah, it was uh, it was I missed recording, you know, so we did the double dip, but we're, we're back to the onesies and we're gonna keep rocking through these divisions with reckless abandon. And we find ourselves, we went north, south, so now we go east, west. Correct. East, West. Um, and with the East, alphabetical order. I'm sticking with the A's and John has the B's. Anyone recalls we had that hypothetical AB <laughs> coin that John flipped before. So I landed on the, the Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia. And the top, the, you know, the elite of the AFC East division, they, uh, they graded out pretty well for me. We'll, we'll save that for the end, but. As far as free agency is concerned, they went and reloaded the the quarterback room. They traded for your boy, Case Keenum, and they (laughs) re-signed Matt Barkley. So clearly they just wanted to make sure that they had proper clipboard holders for Josh Allen, who I don't know has ever had like a bruise designation in his NFL career. That's a good point. Just never, not anything. Um, So – Watch, push to put the curse on them this year when I say that. But knock on wood, we want another healthy alpha season from Josh Allen. But also went out and got Jamison Crowder. Gave him a one-year, $4 million deal, like bird feed for Jamison Crowder. Gave Isaiah I McKenzie will, two years and $8 million to come back. It, it's a good deal. Um, and we'll, we'll discuss why that is momentarily. They went through the bag at Stephon Diggs. But a four year 96 million dollar extension with 70 million guaranteed like i'm a Diggs fan i also believe Diggs is already 28 years old correct so might be his age 29 season he is 20 um, 
tactician and who even knows anymore what contracts are you know players are worth the money they're getting these days but the the christian kirk deal just opened up pandora's box for a lot of these wide receivers say hey listen if the fucking jaguars are giving christian kirk what like it's 18 million dollars a year i'm worth at least two christian kirks (laughs) to this franchise so boom Getting paid tons of money. I just wanted to look into his contract right now. So, yeah, Stephon Diggs is actually going to be 29 soon. He's 28 and 245 days. Last time I checked, there's only 365 days in a year. So, we're talking 120 days from now, on average 30 days in a month, four months, roundabout November. Could be a leap year in there. During, during the football season, Stephon Diggs will actually turn 29. But they have an out in 2025, still 18 mil dead cap hit at that point in time. And it drops to 10 and 26. So assuming he's going to be with the Bills probably at least through the 2025 season. So the rest of his prime, good for him, good for Josh Allen. They went and re-signed Duke Johnson to a one-year deal after they swung and missed on J.D. McKissick. And then they said, Von Miller, we, we need a little additional pass rush help. So six years, $120 million. Only, air quotes, $51 million guaranteed for, for Mr. Von Miller. So that's probably like a huge two-year deal in reality. I'm not going to look at his. So that was their free agency. Now we're talking about losses maybe that they've had. Manny Sanders and Cole Beasley from a fantasy perspective, the only notable losses that this team has experienced. And you mentioned Jamison Crowder, and then the clear emergence of Big Gabe Davis is a net positive for this team, in my opinion. So I agree with you. I think Jamison Crowder is going to do wonders. For his team, like he produced in an abysmal Jets offense when they had no one else. So do I think he's a world beater? No. Do I think he's an upgrade from Cole Beasley in this offense? Uh, unquestionably, yes. And Gabe Davis is an upgrade from where Manny Sanders was in his like age 33 or something season uh, for these Bills. So their offense got younger and more explosive, in my opinion. Then we go into the NFL draft. They went and got Kair Elium cornerback in the first round, which is a smart pick for them. They Tredavious White. He's one of my favorite IDP. And cornerback is dog shit for fantasy unless you got some weird scoring. But that guy just seems like he's going to get tackles. Seems like. He's involved, right? And yeah, he's, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's got NFL bloodlines as well. So, you know, the kid's just going to be ready to go. Day one, Tredavious White, assuming he comes back, I believe that was an early season ACL for him, that yeah, Elam will be seeing his fair share of targets mm-hmm. opposite uh, Tredavious White in his rookie season. Second round, they went and got James Cook. They said, we missed on J.D. McKissick. We clearly need the J.D. McKissick in this NFL draft class, and that was James Cook. They got a Terrell Bernard, linebacker in the third round, who – even playing IDP, I had no clue, clue who this guy was. But then he goes and gets third-round draft capital with the Bills, and now he's all of a sudden getting drafted like crazy in every IDP league. Khalil Shakir, wide receiver, Boise State in the fourth round. Good value for Shakir. Went and got big Matt Ariza, the punter, in the fifth round. Just his punter value in those punter-only leagues. And then three guys that will never be worth a shit, and Christian Benford, cornerback Luke Tenuta, Offensive tackle and Balin Specter, linebacker. So, from a fantasy perspective, James Cook, and to a lesser degree, Khalil Shakur, Shakir should provide pretty decent value. You know, James Cook's going like end of the first, beginning of the second, depending on your league structure. Khalil Shakir is probably like a third round pick. He has been, at least in most of my leagues, best case, like really late second. And where does the depth chart line up? I mean, I know they re signed Isaiah McKenzie. 
it's like a special teams gadgety guy. And they brought in Jamison Crowder to be opposite to, to work inside of Davis and Diggs. But who's who's really next man up if someone gets hurt? I mean, Shakir might just be yep. a year away or a play away from getting some meaningful playing time. And I actually liked him coming out of Boise State. Wasn't Buffalo not the best landing spot, but you know, a little few things break his way. You, know, you could find some value in Khalil Shakir. So <clears throat> I think they addressed a ton of needs, not only from an NFL perspective, but a fantasy perspective in the draft. And where does that leave these Buffalo Bills? Well, start checking boxes, John, on that little thing you made me do. I'm like, check, 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 check. Right, come through 14 and three. There's the Buffalo Bills. Nice. Ended up being the number one seed in the AFC for me. I will again, but the disclaimer out is I do not think they finish as 14 and three, but I could easily see them being. 13 and 4, 12 and 5. They're a very complete team, assuming that they get Tredavious White back, adding Von Miller to an already kind of like young, deep D line, and just giving like a veteran like that to just kind of look like his old self, you know, during that Rams playoff run after they traded for him. And they got firepower on offense. You know, I, I think they're actually in a more explosive offense now that they've kind of cleared away some of the old players and are going to give Gabe Davis and bringing in Jamison Crowder a shot. So I really like the bills. They also went and got, and I probably should have said this for free agency. They, uh, they signed uh, OJ Howard, who I don't think is going to be a ding to Dawson Knox, but he's certainly a good compliment to Dawson Knox. I mean, OJ Howard was the first round pick for what, four years ago. And, you know, he didn't get his fifth year off. Fucking heart. Had a ton of injuries, never really realized his true potential. But, you know, it's a good good signing for them. But I don't know that that's really going to do much to negatively impact Knox, who probably will realize some negative touchdown regression um, just because it was such an outlier. But he is Josh Allen's, like, best friend in the world, too. And I'm just going to continue riding that shower, shower narrative yeah. until the wheels fall off. So. Still, Dawson Knox low end tight end one, but for from a real football perspective and from a Josh Allen perspective, having a, an OJ Howard big target red zone potential sure doesn't hurt. I similarly have them as the number one seed in the AFC. I have them thirteen and four. Okay, yeah, so and we're I going in the right direction. They can be thirteen and four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that their schedule didn't present a lot of. Uh, uh, it was really like I was trying to find losses for the Bills, which wasn't as problematic with a lot of these other teams. But I was finding games where I was like, this isn't a 17-0 and team. Come on, where, where are these losses at? Start picking and choosing a few. But, yeah, I think 13-4, and four, even 12-5, and five, you know, is a solid record for these Buffalo Bills. Yeah, the only, the only question mark for them really is what is the offense going to look like now that Dayball's going? Yeah, I mean, it's the same system, right? Ken Dorsey, I believe, took over. He was the yep. QB coach. He was. So, so consistency if, if I, for Josh Allen. Yeah, everything's the same, so it shouldn't be too much different. I don't know how much that big of a drop-off we're going to have Dable to Dorsey, but I, I you know, like, like you said, there's a lot of consistency with the exception of Beasley getting swapped out for Crowder, who arguably is as good or better, potentially. There's there's no what they win last year. Thirteen uh, oh, sounds about right. I'm, uh, yeah, so they're gonna be right around. I can't. They're not getting worse. No, barring injuries. So I probably omitted one or two other decent signings. They they got Roger Saffold as well, which I wasn't aware. I signed him to a one year deal, which is kind of surprising to me. He was a casualty of the Titans 
I believe. And so to sign him to bolster that offensive line a little bit, he's going to step right into the starting guard position. They also gave Mitch Morse a two-year extension, who was quality center for them. So that, that interior, those, the trenches on that O-line is pretty uh, pretty awe-inspiring. They, they, they're road graders, right? Uh, those, those are my guys. You know, yeah, the, the only mystery – that's not good for fantasy there is that running back you know does cook come in and take a big chunk of that work does moss completely disappear now yes does singletary kind of take a step forward from what we saw a year ago or is it a, you know three-headed committee which nobody wants a piece of that but other well, than it's that, definitely you know, moss is done i mean if, if anything i think they did like what duke johnson did which ultimately is probably why they brought him back you know i think zach moss unless he's a special teams he might not even make the the final 53 because you know the Singletary is, you know that James Cook is. And I I think Duke Johnson deserves it. Every time this dude gets an opportunity, he actually produces pretty well. He'll be yeah. a veteran presence on the team. So I think Zach Moss is ultimately going to be the odd man out. It's certainly in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Buffalo was 11-6 and six last year. So actually worse than we thought mm-hmm. they did win the division. Wow. So all, yeah, all the hype, yeah, Fernal. Um, a measly eleven win team. Yeah, that's why those Titans had to buy a twelve and five. Gross. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I knew the Titans were twelve and five. And yep, could have could have thought about it for a second. All right, moving on to next team alphabetically, Miami Dolphins. Um, didn't have a ton of draft capital, and that's because they made one of the biggest trades of the year, trading for Tyree Kill. And I, I didn't realize they didn't give up as much as I thought. They gave up a. First, second, and fourth this year, and only a fourth and a sixth next year. So not a ton going the other way. And then they dropped a monster contract on him. I say, they gave the username and login to Stephen Ross's personal bank account. <laughs> <laughs> they gave Tyreek Hill. Yeah, so Hill, Hill, I believe, is now the highest paid wide receiver in football. Um, back to the draft. So I mentioned no draft capital, but that tied into Hill. Uh, third round, they took Channing Tindall, a linebacker. Um, not sure what his role is going to be. They got some aging linebackers there. So for IDP, he's a good stash. I've grabbed him in a few spots. I don't know if he's going to make an impact in year one. Uh, fourth round, they took wide receiver Eric Izukanuwama. Totally butchered it, but that's what we do here. Um, who I was a little bit excited about until you look at this team's depth chart and you go, ah, no path to anything here. He's a bigger guy, so maybe you could see some red zone packages if he develops where they could use him, but there's just too many good players that they paid money for ahead of him. Seventh round, they took an outside linebacker, not even going to bother with names like you did, and then uh, almost almost Mr. Irrelevant, 26th pick of the seventh round, they took quarterback Skylar Thompson as a stash. They also signed Teddy Bridgewater, so Thompson is probably someone they're hoping to get on their practice squad, but very, very, very unknown to some, very known to many. Lots of film guys said Skylar Thompson had the best tape of any quarterback in this draft. So lots of guys who know what they're talking about like what they saw on film. Um, back to free agency and, and, and trades. So I mentioned Tyreek Hill. They signed Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys. They also brought in Chase Edmonds from Arizona. They signed... And this is what I think is going to go under the radar. And if you're in a super deep league or you, you've you really got nothing at uh, running back, 
They, they brought in Alex Ingold, and with the Mike Daniels system coming from San Francisco, we've seen Kyle Jusek get pretty heavily involved sometimes, especially in the passing game. Ingold is not a bad football player, and he's obviously going to make the team the game a ton of money, and this is an offense that uses the fullback. So it'll be interesting to see if he becomes, you know, bi-week filler at, at fullback at your running back position. I mentioned Teddy Bridgewater coming in. They also brought Raheem Mostert, familiar with the system from San Francisco, and... Sony Michelle, which now similar to the Bills, makes this a much more crowded running back room than we would like to see. Uh, three-headed monster, at least with uh, Cedric Wilson. Jeez, uh, Cedric Wilson's wide receiver, Chase Edmonds, Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin still may make the team. They signed our undrafted free agent, our favorite boys, the Quandre White, who's some people have a make in the fifty-three man. We'll see now. The camps are are in full swing what kind of reports we get out of there but i would love to see him get a chance but yeah big big splashes mainly in free agency did nothing in the draft <sighs> when you look at what their projected like starting lineup is tyreek hill you got waddle cedric wilson gasecki at tight end edmonds and mostert at running back they're doing it right they're giving to every weapon in the world to give him a chance to succeed and take the next step forward if this team stinks, it's all on to his shoulders. Yeah, and did you mention Teron Armstead and Connor Williams, their offensive I line? I did not. I did not. So, I mean, that was line. their offensive line was trash, um, and they really committed a ton of resources, went and got the best left tackle on the market, and then signed Connor Williams as well. So they're, they're making strides to try and they're, – they're, they're taking all the excuses away from Tiller, right? And that's what all these teams are doing for these young quarterbacks. It's The anti-Bears. You know, <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I yeah. shouldn't say all. There's always an exception. It's usually the Bears. But listen, you mentioned Tyreek Hill real quick. Yeah, so Tyreek Hill has the the second biggest contract to the 140 mil that Devontae Adams got. But yeah, an average value more. And then in guaranteed money, he has the most. But then Spotrack has this field that says practical guaranteed money. So I guess that's reasonably assumed. And Tyreek Hill just edges out the aforementioned Stefan Diggs by $2.2 million in guarantees. This far, so yeah, he's he's there from all the the secondary shit that matters because these guys aren't going to see every penny uh, of these. What are they? What are they? Nine figure deals. So I figured that out real quick. Just counted the numbers in my head. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm right there with you. You mentioned a running back room. It's it's going to be interesting because you just realize how bad that running back room was last year. That no one was really threatening Miles Gaskins for any touches. All right, so they needed to bring in. Some things, and then they they prioritize Chase Edmonds, and then Raheem Mostert. It will make the team because he knows the system. Sony Michelle should make the team because he actually was good last year when he got the opportunity. Those three should make the team, and if they do, that means Miles Gaskins ass out, and our boy Quan White. What's he going to be active for? Is you know special teams? I can't say that I really reviewed his special teams film. <laughs> I mean, but, luckily Mostert and Michelle. I mean, luckily for. The white well, fans in the world, most of Michelle have not been the models of incredible health. No. So these other guys that are on the practice squad or bottom of the roster, if you're looking for you know some waiver wire roster filler at the start of the year, you you could do a lot worse than snatching up some of these Miami running back depth guys. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Chase Edmonds thought of being undersized. I don't know that qualifies anymore. He's, he's missed games. He missed four games, five games last year. He's missed games in the past as well. He's never really handled much of a workload. He's topped out at 159 touches in a season. So we've never seen him as a 
primary back either. So who knows if he's going to be able to hold up uh, if, in fact, he is the 200-plus touch primary back in this Mike McDaniel scheme. But interesting season for those Miami Dolphins. Where do you have them? The Las Vegas line has them at eight and a half wins. I have you. You have dragged me along and made me buy in fully with you with your uh, Tua love. So I have participated and I went into this with uh, some Dolphins optimism. But I only have them at six and eleven. I probably should have just spit the drink out at you, John. Because <laughs> I really the way you the way you you set that up, I was truly expecting you to actually have more wins than I have almost did for. Because your optimism clearly isn't unbridled, but I still only have them at nine and eight, which is good for the tenth seed in the AFC. Like I'm, I, I think they're going to be a good competitive team. I just think the Bills are far superior to them, and just their schedule didn't really shake out well enough for me. I can see them getting to ten wins. It's not like I had them threatening to be a top three or four team uh, in the AFC, but I can see them getting to ten and seven. I think six and eleven is. A bit lower than I'd be willing to uh, to go on them, but listen, we 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 varied there are, significantly in others. We had done this with the other teams, and I, I think we said this was coming just from what we did when we did the schedules. It's just it's very top heavy. The good teams are good, the bad teams are bad. There's very few in the middle. The Dolphins are one of those middle teams, so but it's hard to find those wins because i mean obviously we don't think they're good enough to beat buffalo or you know whoever we like out of the, the west or whoever we had higher who do we have cincinnati the baltimores of the world i mean they're gonna have a tough time taking that next step up daniels could be a great coach and he could be the difference but yeah for, for the teams that are not already in that elite tier they're gonna really have a tough time getting there i think this season yeah, I don't really disagree. I mean, the build, the Dolphins were nine and eight last year, so you're you're, you're projecting significant regression <laughs> in the win loss. I'm I'm actually not projecting them to be any better, ironically enough. Even though I am pretty fully bought in on Tua, I I think just that dude's just gotten so much shit for being the the Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, he's the closer. Yeah. But, you know, just a yo-yo game that was getting played uh, with the quarterbacks by Brian Flores last year, which I thought was absolutely insane, but I get it. Win games, I don't care who's on the field to do it, but he, Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't a long-term answer. They should have given two a more of a leash last year. And I finally think Teddy Bridgewater being behind him isn't threatening anyone except in the shower department. So, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> so he's a, uh, he's, he's good to go. So he's got all the options and it plays into his skill set. So uh, my, my Scott Fishbowl uh, team hopes you're right, as it is littered with dolphins. Yeah, listen, I did I get two in the, in the fishbowl too? I don't remember. Oh, now I'm, now I'm I got two I, waddled Gisette, oh, no, I, and I took their fucking kicker. Oh, yeah, I went I did, four. That's right, I did get two. Uh, I don't. He's naked. I don't have him stacked with anyone because I I missed I missed like waddle by like one or two picks. And I, I wasn't. I don't even think I was looking at Gasicki. But listen. Uh, uh, you're going to be thankful. It was like Wentz last year, remember? When, Wentz, yes, the wheels fell off at the very end, but he was a value pick yeah. in the fishbowl a year ago. That's going to be two of this year with the, you know, how players are flying off the board at the QB position. So, all right, off of the Dolphins and on to the New England Patriots. 
interesting team. Free agent additions. They went out and got Ty Montgomery, who just continues to just find opportunity in the NFL. And I like the player. He's, you know, he had a he had an interesting little few week run as the quote unquote starting running back for the Green Bay Packers. But good piece for the New England Patriots, probably a Brandon Bolden replacement who followed Josh McDaniels to to Las Vegas, your backyard, you know, just to steal touches from all those running backs. They gave James White a two-year, $5 million deal with only $500,000 guaranteed. There's reports saying he's still walking around with a limp. Like his hip injury was like significant, like career-ending type hip injury. I'm actually curious if it was much like the Bo Jackson injury that really – he was never the same from, but technology, medical technology going a long way. But they could get out from under James White with half a million dollars. And it wouldn't surprise me if they did, because not only do they already have Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, they went and drafted two running backs that, that I'll be getting into when I get to the draft portion. So the running back position is going to be a little interesting for those Patriots. They traded for Devontae Parker and a fifth round pick by giving up a 23 third. So didn't even part with much to bring Devontae Parker in. Feel like they were kind of missing the size speed element because they went they used they drafted him and then they went and reached on Tyquan Thornton as well. So I guess they weren't happy with the structure of their receivers, even though they spent some money on the receivers a year ago and and bringing in uh, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. But I guess that's not good enough with Jacoby Myers, a bunch of possessiony type guys. So get Devontae Parker, see what he can do on the outside um, for Mac Jones. Supposedly Mac Jones trains with him too in the offseason. So might be a little uh, value, especially in best ball leagues for Dante Parker. Lil Jordan Humphrey, another big body. They signed to a one-year deal, the ex-New uh, Orleans Saint. Resigned Trent Brown, two years, $22 million with $4 million guaranteed. I just vaguely remember a time when Trent Brown was supposed to be like the biggest, best thing from the tackle position, and he started bouncing around. Then he, he ended up with the Vegas Raiders for a minute. Now he's back with the Patriots on a cheap deal, so... I don't even know if he's a projected starter for them. I would assume so. Mac Wilson, they acquired in a trade for Chase Winovich, who looked every part a New England Patriot for the first few years he was in the league, but actually gives a little value to, to Mac Wilson, who was probably buried on the Cleveland Browns. And then lastly, Jamil, Jabril Peppers, a one-year $2 million deal with a max value of $5 million. I believe he was an ACL as well in his last year with the Giants. I didn't know they got him so cheap, but I'm kind of hoping in a lot of my IDP leagues that he bounces back to form um, on the back end, kind of playing that, you know, strong safety, you know, extra linebacker position for the New England Patriots. And then diving into the draft, they went and picked Cole Strange, who Sean McVay, as everyone knows at this time, predictably laughed at on national television, saying they thought he was going to be available, available in the third round for the Rams, but they had to take him off their board. Then, uh, as previously mentioned, went and got Tyquan Thornton as well, Big, fast wide receiver from Baylor. We, we know how that story typically plays out. Then Marcus Jones, undersized cornerback, but big-time return guy in any league where you get value for, you know, like a uh, drafting with Giants, per se, where you might get points for special teams, return yards and all. I think Marcus Jones is pretty electric at Houston, and he's probably going to step in as the return guy for the Patriots. Then Jack Jones, Pierre Strong running back uh, for the Jack Rabbits was a fourth round pick. They also drafted Bailey Zappi um, quarterback in the fourth round, which struck me as a little odd, but I guess Brian Hoyer is getting long in the tooth and we're going to have to look into the, the future and why not groom a, a backup like they did for like the Jimmy Garoppolo years. With, with and they Bailey traded Zappi. away Stidham. And traded away Stidham. So he, Zappi's going to be the QB three for them, probably not be active on game days, but 
probably with designs on him being the backup come next year when they let Brian Hoyer finally walk for the 13th time. Kevin Harris running back in the sixth round, Sam Roberts, the tackle sixth round, Chasen Hines center sixth round, then and Andrew Stuber off at the tackle in the seventh round. So this was a very New England Patriots like draft where a bunch of guys that seem like reaches that they had to get their guys, not a ton of cachet, even at the wide receiver position. You just question how successful the guys can be just given the Patriots track record of, <laughs> of unsuccess. At the at drafting the position and then re restocking the shelf at running back with Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris, who I liked as well. Um, I think he suffered a back injury, if I'm not mistaken, or his stock might even been higher um, coming out of South Carolina. But there's just so many backs now. Like I said, Ty Montgomery, James White, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, Damian Harris, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. There's all these guys can't make the team. Just not going to happen. You don't carry very that many Patriots, guys. very Patriotsy. Yeah, just muddied. But you know, you, you know that Damian Harris is probably going to get it run out there. It's his last year. They're not going to extend him. You know, they supposedly. You know, it's it was interesting to see what they did with Ramondre Stevenson. His rookies barely get any opportunity at running back for the Patriots, and and he saw significant time, even though he was in a doghouse for a while. James White might never play from again. Ty Montgomery is nothing but depth. One of those rookies might actually end up being something. Pierre Strong. You know, obviously has better draft capital than Kevin Harris, but it wouldn't surprise me if two years from now, like that that guy is the one B and getting meaningful touches in a Patriots offense. Very interesting. Uh, and they also end as a barely above Jeff Fisher Mendoza line, respectable nine and eight in my. AFC South, 10th seed in the AFC, sorry, not South, in my AFC uh, standings. 10th seed overall in the AFC. Well, you're close to Vegas. Vegas has him at 8.5. I, however, <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. New England, yeah, New England had uh, 8.5 for Vegas. New England and Miami were both 8.5, and I had them both with nine wins. Spot on. I have the Patriots at a shocking 12-5. and five. Mm. Okay. I, I don't know if I'm just giving them the, the Belichick bump, but I think Mac Jones – I mean, look, they were decent last year, and if Mac Jones develops even just a bit, they're going to be way better, and, and they're going to win the way the Patriots win. Yeah, they were 10-7 and seven last year. Oddly enough, they were kind of right up there. If we're looking for points for and points against with the Bills, the Bills had 283 points for, the Patriots had 262. The Bills had 289 points against, the Patriots had 303. I mean, they just not far apart. You think of the Bills as a huge explosive offense. Well, the Bills scored 21 more points than the Patriots did. Three, three touchdowns. Yeah, all in the season and, and only gave up, was it, 14 points less. So there's not a huge gap between the two um, from from a numbers perspective. I do think from a talent perspective, there's a massive gap. But, yeah, Bill Belichick just figures it out, right? He finds ways. And no one would have thought they would have been a 10-7 and team last year with rookie Mac Jones under center. But they won ugly. I mean, everyone knows the the snow game where, what, Mac Jones threw it four times in the game and they just ran it. Three, three, three. But, you know, and uh, they ran it for like 250 yards <laughs> on the Bills to beat them. Like Phil Belichick doesn't care about your fantasy team, so no. uh, I wouldn't surprise me if they were a 12-1 team. I think they're an above 500 team either way. 
So just great, you know, eking out two or three more wins than I had them for. Zero surprise here. And then, you know, backing into the playoff as like the sixth seed or seventh seed. I can say it. So peeling back the, the fourth wall here for the listeners real quick. <laughs> you were supposed to take the Jets and I had the Patriots. Oh, Jets, that makes sense. Jets I could do were, I could do the the thing. I don't know why. I just in my head. <laughs> the Jets know. were an A team, but because we are so professional, I was able to pull up all this bullshit on the fly while you were breaking down the Patriots. So I'm going to jump in like nothing even happened. People, I had to give a, a little behind the scenes. Wanna, so, and I want—I would have loved to talk about the Jets too. <laughs> well, feel free to jump in as I did yeah. zero prep. Yeah. <laughs> so the Jets dig it into the draft here. Uh, Sauce Gardner they took with the fourth pick overall. Um, mm. You know, we had mentioned the, some of the cornerbacks earlier. Uh, Elam for the Bills being a guy they might want to target for fantasy. Gardner, I'm thinking, is the exact opposite. He, he's got potential to be a total shutdown corner, and no one's going to ever get targeted that he covers. He's going to be worth no points because he gets no tackles or passes defended because no one's going his way. So temper expectations for fantasy for him. Another first-round pick, number 10 overall, took what many view as the top receiver in this draft, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State, who I do like. Don't necessarily love the landing spot because I don't know what this offense is going to look like. Similar, similar to what we said with the Dolphins and Tua, Jets are given no excuses. They're they're kicking the wheels on uh, Zach Wilson to see if he is going to be able to take the next step. Their offensive line is better, and they're surrounded with weapons on offense. Next pick, another first rounder, Jermaine Johnson, uh, defensive end out of Florida State. He is my least favorite of the first-round defensive ends. And their defensive ends are pretty hard to get in fantasy. And even in you know the Premier League that you and I are in, defensive ends are super hard to get. And we're approaching the start of the third, and I think the first copy of him just went. And yeah. that's pretty, pretty rare, especially for a first-round defensive end. So Yeah, one-year production of him, Georgia transfer, went to Florida State and exploded and then fell down the draft board. As well, he was some team people had him projected as a top 10 pick. Yeah, so. I, I think he's just super boomer bust. This guy's either going to mm-hmm. be a stud or total shit. I don't think there's <laughs> any <laughs> anything in the middle. But back, back to fantasy and what's important. Fourth pick of the second round, Brees Hall, pretty much one of the most locked in first overall picks for fantasy that I can remember in several years. I mean, maybe going back to Zeke. Has anybody really been every single draft? I haven't seen him fall once more than this guy going back. No, but I think that's, it's twofold. One, he is that good. No, two, I I think there's a clear tear break between him and even Kenneth Walker. So now there's like running back scarcity already in a rookie draft. And then there's a lot of these six guys in any order, you know, beyond that, as far as the wide receivers are concerned. So, I think he's the only one that it's there's no gray with with Brees Hall is he's going to get opportunity. It's in a yeah. good run base scheme with the Jets. Hopefully everyone's over uh, Michael Carter because he is per- going to be a perfect change of pace satellite type back, but he's not meant to be a one a in an offense. So he's going to get pushed down where he belongs. Brees Hall is going to see 300 rookie year touches. Um, when it's all said and done and probably post like a low end RB one season. 
It's a beautiful thing. <clears throat> third third round, 37th pick. They took Jeremy Ruckert, tight end out of Ohio State. Not a ton of production. He's from, I think he grew up a Jets fan. So people got all excited. But as always, rookie tight ends. Uh, don't expect anything from him on the field in year one. But probably a good stash to position. Um Moving down, they took another offensive lineman and another defensive end whose names are not important. The tight end, even with Ruckert coming in, the thing is, in free agency, they signed Tyler Conklin and uh, where is his name? CJ Uzoma. CJ Uzoma to pretty much matching deals. They both got three years. Uzoma's is uh, for $24 million. I think Conklin was for 23 So they got... Two tight ends there, both of which I like. Ruckert's going to be stashed behind them. Like I said, tight ends take a while to develop. <laughs> good, they had good nothing. Him in. Yes. They had enough. They had Ryan Griffin running significant routes. In your 2025 draft. <laughs> yeah. Get your Super Ruckert sad. chairs. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be blocked by two professional tight ends for at least the next two seasons. I agree. Yeah. They re-signed Joe Flacco, re-signed Mike White, re-signed Tevin Coleman, just depth there, re-signed Braxton Berrios, who is who's decent, but now with Wilson there, he's not going to crack the starting lineup often. But if there's injuries ahead of him, he could. So they did. Oh, they brought in Greg Zerline, too. So I believe he's going to be their kicker to start the year. So if you're in a kicker league, Greg, Greg the leg is probably worth a stash, especially if you think this offense is going to take a little tick up. But overall, I like the pieces. I like where the team's headed, but I don't think I like them just yet. And especially if, if we both like Buffalo and New England a bit, what are they going to do? They can't win too many games. Vegas has them at 5.5. I ended up with them at 3 and 14. John, I'm truly impressed with your on-the-fly ability. Right once I started talking Patriots, the, the camera went off, and I <laughs> didn't pay anybody. Judge out there fact-checking away to to cover my ass. But I've been spot on with most of these teams, at least Vegas projections outside of Bills. I have the Jets at five and twelve, <clears throat> so I've been in within that half a game. So I'm I'm, I'm in line with where Vegas is, and clearly not winning any money because there's no clear leans for any of the three of the four teams that I reference, And, you know, those Jets ended up being the 12th seed in the AFC for me. Braxton Barrios, you mentioned, two-year, $12 million deal, $7 million guaranteed. So guaranteed a spot this year, potential out after the season, still $3.2 million just to tell him to, to hit the street. So him through 23 in his age 28 season is probably likely, as he's cheap from a wide receiver perspective. But you're right. This year, I mean, Corey Davis is getting paid way too much not to see the field. They yep. sunk first round capital into Garrett Wilson, and Elijah Moore is just fucking awesome. So yep. th- it's going to take an injury or four wide sets, which ain't happening. You don't you don't go side two tight ends, draft another to to go four <laughs> wide for Zach <laughs> yeah. Wilson. It's just not it's just not the reality of the situation. It's definitely not what that offense seems constructed to do. So. While he had a few good games last year as he was just vacuuming up targets from Zach Wilson, his his buddy, um, awesome Zach Wilson, by the way. We didn't we really give Zach Wilson enough credit uh, for his for his <laughs> offseason. <laughs> for his offseason. But um you know, he's uh, he's living his best life out there. Oh, he is he in Utah. Um but yeah, Barrios 
good depth signing, really not going to do much for the team. You had mentioned their their tight ends, which I'm, I'm glad you did, because I think that's of significance to the team. Um, beyond that, yeah, not a ton more. They re-signed a lot of their offensive line, Connor McDermott and Dan Feeney. They gave Lakin Tomlinson a three-year, $40 million deal. Guard for them, um, re-signed Dan Feeney. So yeah, they have depth, and they have, they have a pretty young, impressive starting line. If Mekhi Becton can get his shit together, which I'm really liking where he's at this offseason, he seems like he's just ready to just like go. Not be a pig. <laughs> that, you know, him and Leonard Fournette are buffet buddies apparently in the offseason. <laughs> did, did you see the picture Fournette tweeted out? Yeah, listen, you got to lean into it eventually, <laughs> right? But let's not let's not try and take away the fact that he was reported at 260, which – he shouldn't be walking around that at any point in his life. He said, he said bullshit. He said he was 245. Okay. Saw the pictures, Len. But uh, Becton has like shirts like make them eat their words and shit like that. Like I'm really digging the, the perspective this year because that dude is an absolute mountain at a left tackle and he can just collapse the entire side of a line. And that's what I want to see for, for Brees Hall. So yeah, I, there was another situation where I'm a Joe Douglas guy. I think he made a lot of strong moves. You know, capitalized in the draft when he could, you know, went in and got Jermaine Johnson, whether he's, you know, a boomer bust prospect. It was value at the end of the draft. Brees Hall gives them that true alpha back that they were missing. Still getting Garrett Wilson a value to go along with good ancillary receivers. I just think this is Elijah Moore's offense, which is why I've kind of faded Garrett Wilson. I think I have one share of him across all my dynasty leagues. And it's not because he wasn't available when I picked. I just won. With Brees Hall is to clear one one in the draft. I'm like, how how many Jets do I really want to? Well, that's <laughs> that That's the other. Even even with more, and I know you've been a fan since he was coming into the league. Do you, unless you think Zach Wilson takes a huge step up, he does not seem like a quarterback to me that's going to support two high quality fantasy wide receivers. And and like you said, you know, Brees Hall came in. They, they spent the money on tight ends. I have a bad feeling that he, even if Wilson does take a step up, it's not going to be, you know, he's not dragging one of these receivers along on his coattails. I think he's going to fucking pepper everybody and spread it around, you know, kind of those old Jets box, or sorry, not the Jets, the old uh, Saints box scores where <laughs> Drew Brees hits, you know, 14 different guys with one fucking reception. Well, that's because... At those times, those fucking Saints teams were actually dog shit, and they didn't really have like a good alpha wide receiver on them. But I, I would hate if you were accurate because most of what Elijah Moore did in his rookie year had nothing to do with Zach Wilson. I think a lot of his production kind of came while Zach Wilson was out. But I mean, he was just—he had a stretch last year where he was just uncoverable. And looking like he was about to explode in his rookie season and, you know, somehow still turns only 11 starts into 536 yards and five touchdowns. I I just think he's better than Garrett Wilson. I mean, so I'll continue to hope and pray that Garrett Wilson doesn't turn into a Drew Brees clone and try and spread it all over the map. But to your point, I mean, they, Look what they've done. I mean, we we're just talking about the fourth wide receiver being a guy he likes in Braxton Berrios. They bring in two tight ends that are going to get, what, even if they get 50 targets each in the season. I mean, that's taking a significant piece of the pie. Whatever Jeremy Rucker gets, both backs out of the backfield are pass catchers. I mean, there's there's receptions, you know, there's targets we had all over this offense, um, which is crazy to, to think. 
which means that it's unlikely that any of these guys is a 150 target guy when it's all said and done. I just think Elijah Moore's the type of guy that can do more with less. So I'll lean on him, especially that he's likely going to live in the middle because we know Corey Davis is going to be on the outside and Braxton or in uh, Garrett Wilson projects more as an outside guy than Elijah Moore, even though Elijah Moore is awesome on the outside as well, but get him in the slot. And you know, I think he's going to be the apple of Zach Wilson's eye before too long. Yeah. I, I just think there's, there's obviously I, I like Wilson's upside and I hope I'm wrong. Cause I have him grabbed him in a lot of places last year. So I hope he can take a big step forward. He, he but they, they've given him all the weapons to do so. But, yeah, I just hope – for, for the receiver's purposes, yeah, I, I just think we're going to see games where it's like four receptions for Corey Davis, four for Elijah Moore, four for Garrett Wilson, two for, you know, Berrios gets in there for two. One of the tight ends catches three. The other catches one. Hall gets four out of the back. Michael Carter gets two. And you're like, that is not the volume any of those guys need. No, it doesn't let anyone really thrive. And listen, I only because this supports my Elijah Moore narrative, but I just went super small sample size. <laughs> In the last five games that Elijah Moore played last year before he got hurt and it finished this season, his 17-game average would have been 153 targets for nine, 95 receptions, 1,333 yards, and 17 touchdowns. He was amazing. You could have sold me if they didn't draft Wilson. Or Hall. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. I mean, I, I get you just Both. want to sink. You just want to lean into wide receivers, especially with the way everyone's getting paid at wide receiver right now. Like, just keep drafting wide receivers. <laughs> they're more NFL yeah. ready than ever. Get them out there, run them for four years, and then move them before their fifth year option, a la what a uh, Hollywood Brown type situation. Yeah. So I get it. You know, you can't have an, enough good receivers. I just I just think Elijah Moore is special. I just I, I do. And this just he'll overcome the situation. It's it's almost like the AJ Brown uh issue when he went to the Tennessee Titans. You know, and if he had stayed healthy, AJ Brown would have just slaughtered records his first couple of years in the league. And I think that's ultimately what Elijah Moore set up to do. But just hey, another old miss running rebel. So ridiculous. But that that concludes our preview of the oh, running rebels. Let's, let's let's not go at UNLV. You should have stopped me there. Not the running rebels. What are they? Just the rebels? I think they're just the rebels. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely not the running rebels. They should be. Now that I think about it, but UNLV sucks. But that is beside the point. But that, <laughs> that'll conclude our preview of the AFC East. Hopefully, you got a little insight there. Um, next week, coming back to close out the AFC with the AFC West should be pretty good because three of these teams are darlings of many. And even the fourth team, lots of people think is taking a big step forward. So it'll be interesting to see where we think they get the wins. I have three of them in double digit wins and one of them not close Ooh. next week to find out who dun 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 cliffhanger the, the best division in the in the nfl this year sure for fantasy probably gonna be probably hope, for reality too hope you like shootouts but that should do it for us for myself john debar and my co-host mr matt walker we are the fantasy 40 and we are out of here out yeah old miss rebels colonel reb is their mascot, but now they have some shark that's running around. That is shark. Meet old Miss's new mascot, Tony the Land Shark. Oh fuck! 
That's uh, I don't know. It's gonna, they had to get away from that rebel, right, Colonel Reb. <laughs> they don't live out there anymore. So they are the they are the land sharks. UNLV had a <laughs> UNLV had a guy named. Um, this is strange. This UNLV's guy was named like Hey Reb or some shit. It was a big old oh Southern Colonel, but they replaced him with a fucking wolf, just some dog. <laughs> there you go. Like, there you go. Make it, but they're still the rebels, so don't want to fully commit. I see. Yeah, super generic. It says, as of August 18th, Old Miss boasts a new mascot. While Tony the Land Shark has started up a loud response, he is only in the latest of a long line of mascots. This has been like a few years now. I've never heard of the land, the, <laughs> the Old Miss Land Sharks. No. Hey, what did you have New England at? I didn't write it down. <laughs> nine and eight. Nine and eight. Nine and eight, Miami nine and eight, right? Yep, I'm just in her both. I think you said there was someone posted. I think it was Ray. I think Ray had posted uh, a thing that he had found. (laughs) The the rebels isn't the offensive part. Do you know why they're called Old Miss? I might be fucking up the story because I know we posted it, but I forgot. Uh, instead of just Mississippi. Yeah. I mean, I just I don't know. I I just it's got nothing to do with Mississippi. I believe that it was like what the, the slaves would call the fucking uh, master's wife, the old miss. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So the whole thing about changing the mascot's name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, I, Ray posted something. Somebody dug it up out of some fucking old article from, I don't know, 1800 and some shit oh. about where the school name is. Yeah. It's got, they just coincidentally happened to be in fucking okay. Mississippi. Mm. Yikes. Yeah. If I, if I find it, I'll, I'll text it over to you. Yeah. Now, now they're the Mississippi Tony land sharks. Apparently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're trying to, they're trying to pivot pretty strong. And that one, and speaking of pivoting strong, great job. Just picking up, clean up my mess with the jets. You could have just said, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing right now? And fuck it. <laughs> Lean into it. You, you fucked up. I, I don't even know how I got like that old Bill O'Reilly clip. You ever see that one? Yeah, fuck it. Do it live. Yeah. Fuck yeah. it. I'll do it live. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what, what just happened. I'm the one that literally wrote the ones out under A and B, and I totally ignored it. <laughs> I knew I wasn't doing the Dolphins, so I don't know why. I was like, all right, I'm the Bills, and uh, okay, I'm the Patriots. Yeah. I knew I wasn't the Dolphins. That I knew for sure. So I have it squared away. So let's just do this right now. So it's Broncos. You didn't even mention Devontae Parker. I just realized looking out at my sheet. I did. Did you? Mm-hmm. I, was, I was so focused on my Jets research. You, 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 were, you were cleaning up my mess. Yeah, I said that he's going to add that on the outside stinks. for them. All right, so I'm going to have the Broncos and the Chiefs. You have the Chargers and your backyard Raiders. That works out pretty well. So you get to draw over a bear and Eckler and – Shit on Mike Williams. <laughs> and then you get to talk about the Raiders too. Okay. Or will I? That'll be a good one. Get this trash. Yeah. Dude's gonna fucking fuck trash it. the Raiders. Explode again. <laughs> fucking bums. <laughs> ah, it's going to be pants free in the Jabari household. Doing some nude swimming. Goddamn right. I don't even care. The neighbors can see over the fence. That's pretty much probably why you're doing it. True story. <laughs> you All right, make sure you hit end on this recording. That was perfect that you didn't there because that's definitely going in at the end. <laughs> make sure we get this thing clipped. <laughs> Speaking of clipped, hi. All right. <laughs>
<clears throat> Ready? Yeah. Very enthusiastic. <laughs> I was actually feeling really tired of my little power nap. I feel good. I'm so jealous of that power nap, but this is also not like your bedtime. So true story. Really qualifies. You're just tired. <laughs> yeah, this is just nighttime for me. Yeah, exactly. This, this is, is when you uh, sleep. I just woke you back up to do this. Yeah, this is like 1 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yuck. I remember, I remember when I used to like 1 a.m. Got, oh. got, got a good hour left. Now I'm like, I never want to see you again on either side of the of the pillow. <laughs> when, I, when I look at the, the shit in the retirement place in Florida and like people are like, everything closes at 9. I'm like, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I could go to bed at fucking eight. Oh yeah. Ah, beautiful. I try. My kids don't let me. I don't try and stay up anymore. Ever. What time do you usually put your kids to bed? By eight o'clock, but they don't go to sleep at eight o'clock. Yeah. So crawling out of their rooms. My son will fall asleep whenever I'm Put him in his bed. It's actually pretty good. My same daughter will fucking fight it for five hours. It's the same exact thing. Yeah, she'll come like oh. creeping down the stairs, just sneaking on us. We'll be watching TV, and she like comes like slowly, and she comes around the corner and just scares the living shit out of my wife. <laughs> and then like dead silent in like a little girl night dress, just staring at us like at the corner. My wife screams bloody murder every time, and I'm like, get back upstairs. <laughs> and then she comes running over, dies on the couch, and starts that cycle it's like one of us got to take her up and then just never fucking ending until you threaten her when i was when my fucking irrigation line broke and it was fucking 110 those days and i was like i can't be out here in the heat so i was doing a lot of that shit at night yeah my fucking garage door would open (laughs) i can't sleep i was like you want to sit out here and watch me work okay (laughs) <laughs> like we got a lot of shit to do in the morning gonna be miserable mm-hmm. I'll be okay I said I'm not dealing with so she came out like three times and then the next day she was fucking miserable and yeah. I was a psychopath yeah. I you told her I'm not dealing with this shit today I was gonna say you still had to deal with it no I didn't I went fucking ballistic every time no. she had a bad attitude <laughs> that'll teach her you didn't stay in fucking bed <laughs> <laughs> I told you this was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> told you I wasn't going to deal with any of this shit today. Because <laughs> you wouldn't go to sleep. I tried. I couldn't sleep. He didn't try. Mm-hmm. You're watching me shovel fucking rocks. <laughs> uh, shoveling rocks. <laughs> uh, oh. All right. Oh, I miss it. <clears throat>